Hey everyone, welcome to episode 78 of the Atlas Podcast, and I am not Emma Loggins. Um, you may know me as Matt Rodriguez, the owner and chief editor of Shakefire.com. And I'm not Emma Loggins, but I am Mike McKinney with LastOneToLeaveTheTheater.com and ATLCW.TV. Yeah, and we are missing our fearless leader today. Um, if you listened to last week's podcast, you may have... She had mentioned that she was getting a new puppy and that we were hoping to have said puppy, Fozzie, the Golden Doodle guest star on this week's podcast. But alas, that was not possible. And why was it not possible? Oh, I think I think the puppy's just getting used to its new home and probably driving Emma crazy. Yes, that's, that's exactly <laughs> why. <laughs> so sadly, we are puppyless and we are Emmaless for this week's podcast. So we'll, you're going to have to deal with Mike and I. But we'll we'll carry on. Yes, we will carry on. Um, so we got plenty of good stuff for you this week. Um, first, let's just jump right on in. Uh, this past weekend, all three of us uh, attended Walker Stalker Con Atlanta, which is pretty much the biggest um, Walking Dead convention. Um, Walker Stalker, they've been doing it. This year was the five-year anniversary of Walker Stalker Con Atlanta. And um, it was Mike's first time going to the convention. And yeah, and, uh, he's, was, I was very impressed. Was yeah? You've done, you've done plenty of conventions in the past. Um, so how did it compare? Well, what I, liked, what I liked about it is the fact that I don't watch uh, Walking Dead. I watched it the first two seasons, and then I stopped. Um, of course, everybody tells me I should have kept going because it got better. But um, what I liked about it was that it wasn't just about uh, Walking Dead. There were a bunch of other panels. Um, there was a um, Once Upon a Time panel. Um, there was a Lost panel uh, with four of the actors from Lost. Um, there was a um, uh, uh, Ash versus Evil Dead uh, panel. Um, and a couple other panels. Um, the floor was amazing. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, we found out that it, the, the floor space is actually larger than, than Comic-Con San Diego. And the, yeah. the amount of uh, the autograph area just makes uh, DragonCon look like uh, a baby. I mean, it, was, it went almost a whole floor. It was, it was really amazing. And then there was a ton of vendors there. And um, I almost bought a couple of things that were movie related. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Even though I half the time of... I didn't know what they were talking about. <laughs> yeah, that was that was hilarious. I think my favorite moment was sitting next to you in um, one of the panels with, um, who was it? It was Ross Marquand, who plays Aaron on the show. And he would, uh, somebody asked him, okay, if you could be any character on the show, who you would you, who would you be? And he immediately responded with um, Shiva. And everybody's laughing, and Mike just has this confused look on his face because, of course, you had no idea who Shiva was. And I had to, like, lean over and be like, that's the tiger. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was good, though. It was a lot of fun. Um, what? See, um, another thing that's coming up uh, this weekend is the Rome Film Festival that 
we've all been to in the past couple of years. Um, unfortunately, I will not be attending this year. I have a wedding to go to, but Mike will be there. So I will be what? there representing the podcast. Um, it's actually the 9th, um, so it's not this weekend. It's the next weekend, um, and it starts on Thursday, actually. Uh, they have the opening night film is uh, a film called Man Killer, uh, and then um, uh, closing the uh, film will be a new movie that uh, stars Burt Reynolds called Dog Years. They're also uh, Burt Reynolds will be appearing at the at the Rome Film Festival, and uh, he is going to screen Smoking in the Bandit because it's the 40th anniversary. Um, Rome is a great town, and uh, we just fell in love with it last year when we went, when all, all three of us went last year. Um, they have some great parties. Um, they have a great uh, film lineup, um, and it's just a lot of fun. And if you're in the Rome area, I highly suggest you go because it's just a blast. And you'll see some really good movies also. That's the yeah. other cool thing. There's some really good movies going to be playing. So it's going to be fun. And I'll talk about it. Actually, the next time we do a podcast, I'll be doing it from Rome. So oh, that'll yeah. be interesting. <laughs> well, we'll get live updates from you. Yes. Yeah. But no, like, um, Burt Reynolds was at, was it the Macon Film Festival last year where um, they screened Deliverance? And um, Burt Reynolds is just, he's a blast to talk to. And, um, just to get Q&As from him, so definitely check out Rome if you have the opportunity because, I mean, meeting Burt Reynolds was definitely one of the highlights that I've had. Yeah, and they bring a lot of the filmmakers and actors to the festival, um, so it's it's just a, it's a great way to, to, and especially if you're thinking about making a film or getting into the film industry, it's a great way to learn about the film industry, and you can meet a ton of people and network. Yeah. Yeah, it's very it's all very open. Everybody's very nice. Everybody's very accommodating. Like if you go to any of the after parties, a lot of the actors and people with the production of the films are there and they're just mingling with everybody else. So that's it, that's your time to talk with them. And somebody we know who was a longtime uh, programmer of the Macon Film Festival is now the new development director. Um, Terrell uh, Sandifer is uh, is there and. Um, uh, also, we know the programmer uh, who is uh, head of the uh, Georgia Film Critics Association, uh, Cameron McAllister. Um, so it's just a blast, and I highly recommend it. Yeah. So if you do go out this weekend to it, um, look for Mike. He will be there, and he will show you around. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know about that, but <laughs> we can certainly have a drink together. So Yeah. So... That leads us to the box office for this past weekend. Mike, wanna wanna take us with that? Yep. Um, so uh, number one was Jigsaw. It came in at sixteen point six million dollars. Um, it had a budget of ten million dollars, so it's already making money. Um, it was no surprise. I think I predicted Jigsaw would do it. Um, Tyler Perry. I, th- I think it was. I think it was like a tie. I don't think we ever decided. We said like it was going to be Jigsaw and. Tyler Perry's right, boo yeah, it, and it was actually two, right, and and number two was Tyler Perry's boo two, um, but it didn't do as well as we thought it was going to do. It only it did ten million dollars, which is still a good for a second weekend. It was only a fifty percent drop off, but uh, it definitely was the number one was Jigsaw by by a lot. 
Um, Geostorm came in number three, which is surprising because <laughs> I would thought word of mouth would have killed it faster at almost $6 million. Uh, number four is Happy Death Day at $5 million. And number five, Blade Runner 2049 is still hanging around at $4 million. A couple of new movies. Um, Thank You for Your Service, um, which a film that we all liked, um, was number six at $3.8 million. And then a film that I didn't like at all, I think Matt liked it somewhat, Suburbicon, came in number nine at $2.8 million. Yeah, that's, I mean, what was it? You said like 15, 16 million was for Saw? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was still a relatively slow weekend. Yeah. Yeah, I think people are saving their money for this weekend when Thor just dominates the box office. Right. Uh, the only thing is that Suburbicon was playing in over 2,000 theaters. So it did really, really badly at the box office mm. to, to only get $2.8 million. Um, and it's going to die a quick death, I think. I don't think it'll be yeah, around I mean, much longer. It's It hasn't been getting great reviews. And, you know, like we talked about last week on the podcast, how the the trailers and all the marketing for it are so misleading. So I think it's I think it's definitely turning a lot of people away. Yep. So um, what's all next, right. Matt? So, well, we got to do our predictions for this weekend. What do you what do you think's going to beat win this weekend, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. It's not what is how by how much. Yeah. Um, well, you've got you've got two uh, two big movies opening up. Um, of course, we have Thor that's opening up, and also a Bad Mom's Christmas actually opened up on Wednesday night uh, to try to get, I guess, a little head start on Thor. Yeah. I mean, nothing wants to touch Thor. Yeah. This weekend, I'm because I mean that's like that. Those two and um, Wonderstruck are like the only films that yeah, are opening and, this weekend. And Wonderstruck is a limited release, um, so. It, if you're listening out outside of Atlanta, it may not be in your area yet. Um, it is playing in starting Atlanta here, uh, but it may not be in your area yet. Um, they're doing a slow rollout on Wonderstruck. Um, I'm guessing Thor is going to do, I certainly think, over $100 million and probably in the 110 to $115 million range. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, I was actually, I'm actually thinking 120 I'm going to give it that little extra boost. Um, I think people are really excited for it. Um, It's been getting great reviews, as we will discuss in a moment here. Um, I want to say it's still... I know when uh, reviews first came out, it is the um, the highest-rated movie on of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I want to say it has like 96% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm not entirely sure on that, but um, but yeah. So everything is looking great for Thor right now. Yeah, and then you've got a Bad Moms Christmas, which is a sequel to Bad Moms, um, the one with Kristen Bell and Mila Kunis and uh, Catherine Hahn. Um, this time it's their moms coming uh, to visit them, and I'm thinking yeah. that's going to do pretty well. Um, it is kind of starting to think about Christmas. We're starting to see Christmas ads and stuff. So I think in the 16 to $17 million range, which I yeah. think would be a big success for that film, uh, considering yeah. Thor is going to be eaten out the box office. No, yeah, I, that sounds sounds about right. Um, 
I actually already saw Bad Mom's Christmas, and I was surprised at how much I laughed during it. Um, I will admit I have yet to see the original Bad Moms, but I mean, you honestly, even if you haven't seen it, it it doesn't matter. Like the story itself is very independent. It you don't need to see the first one to to jump right into the second one. Um, and yeah, there's some there's some pretty funny performances for it. So, with the box office over, now let's jump into our reviews. Um, what do you want to do first, Mike? You want to do Wonderstruck or Thor? Yeah, I think we should do Wonderstruck first because uh, Thor's the big one. Save the best for last. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll set right. it up. Um, so basically, this is two stories, and it all merges uh, near the end. So we have Ben, <clears throat> who's goes on a journey to New York to try and find his long lost father, and we also have a young deaf girl back in the 1920s named Rose, who's making her through the streets of New York also to see uh, to find her mother, played by Julianne Moore. And these two stories inter, inter, intersect each other. Um, I'm not going to give away the ending. I'm not going to give away what the intersection is. The interesting thing about this first this movie is the fact that Rose uh, character is deaf. And so anytime you're back in the 20s, um, it's, it plays as a silent film. And in fact, uh, Melissa uh, Simmons, uh, the actress, is actually deaf. Um, uh, that plays the part. She's actually deaf in real life. Um, fun fact. It's a fun fact, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then when you go to the 70s, which is where Ben's story takes place, um, that portion is in color and you, you, you can hear everything. But, but here's, the, here's the connection, one of the connections. Ben um, has been hit by lightning and has lost his hearing. So he's making this journey without, without being here and doesn't relives or don't sign language because it, it's just happened to him. Um, so these two things intersect um, near the end of the movie. Um, and so that's the setup. Yeah. So on a scale of one to five, how bored were you? I wasn't bored. Um, now, I will say this. I'm a big fan of silent films. Um, and I watch, I've watched a lot of silent films. So it was kind of fun for me to see a new silent film. Uh, but I, I really wasn't bored. I'd give it a, maybe a two. There's a, there's a couple of little slow bits in it. Uh, but overall, um, I thought it. I thought the storyline moved. I, I was interested to see how it was going to turn out, hmm. and and yeah. what 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 all the because there's a bunch of mysteries in this film that have to be solved by both Rose and Ben. Yeah, um, I was a little bit more bored than you. <laughs> I'd probably give it a three. Um, I really enjoyed the uh, the silent film, the black and white storyline that was going on um and i wasn't as interested in ben's story as i wanted to be you know i got though it was during those moments that i became bored i was like okay get to the other moments and i thought the the jumping around was a little bit too much for me you know it could have they could have been quicker with it and just to get the story going more so but yeah um on a scale of one to five, what is your eye rolling factor? Um, I don't know, probably a two again. Um, I didn't think there was that much to roll my eyes at. Um, I, I do, I do have a fun fact. 
Um, the, the guy that wrote the screenplay also wrote the best-selling book, Brian Selznick. Um, in fact, if you go to the ATLCW.TV website, you can read an interview with him. Um, but I, th- I thought um, I, I didn't, didn't have that much eye-rolling in it. Yeah. No, I'd agree with you. I'd give it a two as well. Um, there was some eye-rolling in the end, I would say. That's where the majority of mine happened. Um, there were... I won't spoil anything, of course, but there were some moments where I was like, just like, really? It's like, you're going to do all these things? And it just seemed very ridiculous to me. Um, So, yeah, I was rolling my eyes during those moments. Who would you give uh, your best and worst performance to? I would give it to the to the to Rose, uh, Melissa uh, Simmons. Um, I thought she was wonderful in, in the part. Um, and this is her first time that she's ever acted in a, in a film. Um, I, I, that's who I'd give it to. I thought she was really, really good. No, yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, she is what kept me captivated during the, the black and white sequences and just, you know, having to rely on the uh, her actions and what's going on on screen as opposed to dialogue was just was just great and very captivating of her. And, you know, I... I too, even though I was bored with the whole, um, the more recent version, the of the the story, um, still Oaks Fegley, who plays uh, Ben, the main kid in the film, um, you know, I, he actually did a pretty decent job, I would say, in the role, you know. Um, anything stand out particularly as? Worst performance? I know really wasn't a bad. I don't think there was a bad performance. I liked the the uh, the young kid that uh, I don't know his name, but that that basically helps Ben uh, in his journey once he's in New York. Um, he meets a, a kid that's living in the city and can help him kind of move around. Um, Julianne Moore's got a couple of parts in it. Um, she plays Rose's mom um, in the silent uh, film. And she's also a very famous actress. Um, and then she plays a uh, bookstore owner in the in the 1970s version. Um, but I don't think there's really a bad a bad uh, part in there. Yeah, um, I'll agree with that. Yeah, um, nothing stood out as particularly bad. Um, fun fact for you um, about Julianne Moore. Um, this is her second role as being t- as being two people in the same movie, and one of them is whose name is Rose. So she was Rose and somebody and Lillian in Wonderstruck, and then she was also Rose and Margaret in Suburbicon, mm. which just came out last week. So there's a fun fact for you. Yeah. Um, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to. Um, Julianne Moore uh, has been in a, a. Todd Hayes directed this. Haynes directed this movie. And uh, he directed her also in Far From Heaven, which is uh, one of my favorite films from mm. back in the t- early 2000s. Cool. Nice. So, overall, what would you give this on the, the Atlas rating scale? I'd give it a three. Um,. I, I wanted a little bit of more emotional pull at the end of the film, and I didn't get it. Um, I love the concept, 
Um, and I would, I'm actually want, want to now go back and read the book, uh, which is half words and half illustrations. Um, Brian Selzing start, started out as an illustrator and he actually got into writing books as a way to, um, to, uh, uh, to do his illustrations. Um, so I'd give it a three. That's what I'd give it. Hmm. That's interesting. I've never seen a book that's like half words and half half pictures like that. That'd be interesting to see how he does the whole picture progression. Yeah, and and um, um, he he's got a very interesting way of the way he does it, um, in which he actually maps it out um, u- using descriptions on cards. And then once he's mapped everything out, then he goes back and starts drawing little pictures of everything. And then he sometimes rearranges things. Um, he, his, his other book uh, was the basis of the, uh, the film Hugo, mm. uh, was it one of his other books. And um, both, of, both those books were, were bestsellers. Um, uh, and I've seen them in the bookstores. I just never, never bought them. Gotcha. Yeah, I on for me, I think I would give it like a 2.5. Um I didn't love the story as much as I wanted to, do. you know, I was more bored and I was like, okay, where is this story going for throughout most of it? You know, I did enjoy the the black and white portion a lot much a lot more. But um Overall, I was just, I kept waiting for, for something to really, really grab me with it. All right, moving on. Now we're going to go to the big, the big blockbuster coming out this weekend, and that is Thor Ragnarok. Um, in case you've been living under a rock, um, Thor basically, Thor Ragnarok is... We see the the return of Hela, who's pl- portrayed by Kate Blanchett, and basically she is come to Asgard to to take over and ultimately destroy Asgard, and she wants to rule it with her her might, and basically she she kicks out Thor and Loki, and they get lost to. They're basically banished to this battle planet, Sakaar, where they basically have to fight for survival. Um, she just she destroys Thor's hammer, so Thor is now without his hammer. He's kind of lost his power, he believes. And so basically Thor is now abandoned on this planet without his hammer, and he basically has to fight to survive and kind of return to Asgard to overthrow Hela. And and he has a buddy, and he's got a buddy, his his good buddy, um, Mark Ruffalo, aka Bruce Banner, aka the Hulk. He is he happens to be on Sakar, and he is the basically the the champion of the the battle, the gladiator field. Because um, what what was it? Was it Age of Ultron? I believe was when we last saw the Hulk. And when he was uh, flying away in the Quinjet, um, so it's basically kind of we kind of learn what happens to what happened to him um, after the events of Age of Ultron, which is really cool. Yep. 
All right. So jumping right in on a scale of one to five, how bored were you? I wasn't bored at all. Um, This is a very different Thor film than the ones in the past because it's got a sense of humor. Um, (laughs) it, It is hilarious. Chris Hemsworth is so good at comedic timing. He's just got perfect comedic timing. He plays off of both um, uh, uh, Mark Ruffalo and uh, Tom Hiddleston uh, just incredibly well, especially Mark Ruffalo, especially uh, the Hulk, or even when Ruffalo, when he, Ruffalo's Bruce Banner. Um, it's, it's just a lot of fun to, to watch this movie. The plot is a little thin, but you, you're not going to notice because it's so much fun. Um, it's very, very much in the vein of Guardians of the Galaxy, where there's a lot of humor, and there's a lot of humor, much like in Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, there's a lot of humor that makes fun of Thor. Um, he's kind of a little bit of a buffoon in this in this film. No, yeah, I will totally agree. I am giving it a one as well. Um, it's just the humor is so on point with with the film. Um, I think Marvel is definitely taking a direction with its humor, you know, bringing it in from Guardians of the Galaxy and bringing that kind of humor to its other franchises. Um, It's definitely the best out of the Thor films, I would say. Which, to be honest, hasn't been, isn't that hard to top because I think the Thor has been the weakest of the Marvel franchise, I I would argue. So it's nice to see, like, Chris Hemsworth, you know, really, really shine in this role. Yeah, he's he's really good. Um, I mean, the, the, it's also fun to, to see Kate Blanchett just chew yeah. up scenery. Um, she just oh, revels yeah. in it. She just revels in, in playing the bad bad guy. Um, you know, and and then we've got to also mention somebody else, and that's Jeff Goldblum. Um, <laughs> it's just great as the Grandmaster. He's the guy that is basically running the planet that uh, Thor gets I mean, sent to. T- to be honest, Jeff Goldblum is playing Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, he is. <laughs> it's, but he's, he's, so, yeah. he's so good it's, at it. It is. He is good at it. It's just, it's so ridiculous. And it fits this world perfectly, too. So, and also um, Tessa Thompson. Um, she joins the franchise as Valkyrie, who's like this badass uh, warrior from um, who's on Sakaar and kind of teaches Chris Hemsworth the the ins and outs of the the battlefield and stuff and she's she's awesome in the role as well. All right, so um, what's next? The uh, eye rolling factor one to five. What would you give it? I I didn't have any eye rolling in this film. Um, it's just so much fun and it's it is fun from right from the start. Uh, much like Guardians of the Galaxy. Right off the bat, um, if you've seen the trailer, you you know the first scene, which is Thor in that basically in a in a prison net, um, and it's just it's just a blast right from the start. So you're laughing right there at the beginning. Yeah, no, yeah, I'll, I'll agree. I'll give it a one. Um, there's not much eye rolling factor. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much all you can say from it. <laughs> Best performance. Are you giving it to Hemsworth? Um, yeah, I've got to because it, the film centers around him and everybody plays off of him. Um, he's on screen almost the whole time. Um, and it's all, yeah, I'd give it to, I'd give it to Chris. Uh, 
just uh, because, like I said before, his comedic timing is just incredible. Yeah. Um, here's where I'm going to diverge a little bit from you, Mike. Okay. Um, I love Chris Hemsworth in it. I think he is fantastic, and I agree with everything you say. But I'm actually giving it to the director, Taika Waititi. Um, he actually plays a character in the film. He um, he does a voiceover. I don't know if he did the motion capture as well, but um, he plays basically this giant um, rock creature. Um, what's his name? Korg. It, it, Korg, yes. And... Oh my god, I was just, I was laughing the entire time. Whenever Korg opens his mouth, it's just hilarious. And, um, you know, he has this, it's basically, if you ever heard uh, YTT talk, um, it's basically his voice, but in like a slightly higher pitch. And so it doesn't fit this giant rock monster at all. And it's like this... Korg is just like the nicest, most chill, relaxed guy in the whole film. And it's just everything he says is brilliant. I was laughing so much with him. So I'm actually giving it to him as my my best performance. And, and Korg's also uh, a little bit dumb, a little dim. He's a he's dim in the in the nicest way. <laughs> it's it's more of an innocent than like dumb. You're just like, oh, Korg. <laughs> uh, was there so? Was there anything that stood out as worst performance? Um, no. I mean, you know, we there's some there's some cameos which are not we're not going to give away. They are actually a lot of fun. Um, the long rumored Doctor Strange appearance does happen. So uh, Benedict yeah. Cumberbatch does appear in the film as Doctor Strange. It's actually a lot of fun. It doesn't it's, do anything for. Doesn't do anything yeah, for the storyline at all. It's basically the the um, an extended version of the scene from the the post credit scene from Doctor Strange, because if you remember that Thor, Doctor Strange meets Thor in the end of that movie, and they're basically looking for Odin or discussing Odin, and so it's kind of like a a longer scene of that. So, but um, honestly, I'd I'd give it to Carl Urban. He's he plays Scourge, which is basically a water. He's a warrior who kind of he's Asgardian warrior who kind of switches sides once um, Hela comes into town, and he's kind of out for himself. But um, I was just I was just I wasn't sold on him or his character. He it felt really lackluster to me. Yeah, I, I would agree, I, I would agree with that. Um, and and I but I, I also would say that he's not given a lot to do. That's true. Um, yeah, you know he's really just there to to so that Cape Blanchett has somebody to talk to. <laughs> yeah, that is very very true. All right. So on a scale of one to five, what would you rate Thor Ragnarok? Well, I'm going to give it a five just because it's so much fun. I, like I said, I think the plot's a little thin. And so, it, but it's just, this is just a blast to watch. Um, I, I just had fun throughout the whole film. And there there's laughs all the way through the film, too. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 4.5. Um, I love the film. The humor is very on point. Um, I felt the story did play it a little 
too safe, you know, as much it still feels like a very typical Marvel Cinematic Universe story, like a very typical Marvel film. Um, it doesn't take too many chances, you know, as awesome as Kate Blanchett is, Hela is still, she's not that great a villain, you know, it's still follows that very typical Marvel one-off kind of villain things. And like, you know, I just, even though Ragnarok's in the title, I still didn't feel like the, you know, like the pressure was there, like the intensity was there. And so, yeah, I'm not going to give it the full, the full five, although it's close. It's close. Um, So let's see next week. What do we got coming up for next week? Obviously, Mike, you're going to be going to um, the Rome Film Festival. So we will be talking about that a lot. Yep. Uh, um, the big films for next week um, is Daddy's Home 2, the sequel to Daddy's Home. Uh, this time, uh, it looks like from the trailers that Mark Wahlberg and um, and I'm blanking on the other name. Will Ferrell. Yeah, Will, Will Ferrell. Ferrell have worked out their disagreements and are, are rocking the two dads um, deal uh, until uh, their dads show up. Um, and uh, are, Mel Gibson they're not, even, they're not even screening that one for us are they uh, I, don't think so. I don't think so that's not a good sign <laughs> no um, and then uh, the other new film is Murder on the Orient Express um, with an all star cast although I'm a little worried about it because Johnny Depp's in it yeah but maybe he's not in it a lot <laughs> yeah We'll see. we'll see. I'm 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 excited for it. Um, I've enjoyed the trailers, so I think I think it'll be good. I think the rest of the cast will carry the film, even if Johnny Depp's not that good in it. It looks like he's basically playing his black mass or was it black mass role, right? Again, yeah. So and he was actually good in that. So maybe maybe it'll be maybe it'll be good. I have hopes for it. And I do have a recommendation uh, for a smaller film. Um, if you like samurai films, uh, there is a film that's coming out uh, that came out today um, called Blade of the Immortal. It's a uh, Japanese film, um, and it's it's a really good samurai uh, film. I really enjoyed it. It's a little different than the other samurai films is because it actually has some heart. Uh, there's a great... Uh, developing fa- almost father-daughter relationship that develops over time between uh, this samurai warrior and this girl that wants revenge because her parents have been murdered. And uh, it's a it's a really cool film. But if you like samurai films, you like action films, I highly recommend uh, Blade of the Immortal. Mm, sounds cool. Well, I think that about does it for this week's episode. Hopefully, we will have Emma back and she can regale us with stories about Fozzie. Uh, hopefully Fozzie hasn't completely destroyed her. Yep. Uh, she was going to go to the Rome Film Festival, but I think she's just overwhelmed by the dog um, and is not going to be able to make it. Um, but I will be there and I will be doing this next podcast from, from Rome. So Awesome. Well, way to represent 
the Team Atlas podcast. There you go. All right. So this has been the Atlas podcast. I am Matt Rodriguez, the owner and chief editor of Shakefire.com. And I'm Mike McKinney with Last One Lead with Theater.com and ATLCW.tv. And we will see you next week. And hopefully Fozzie will be on also. Yay! Yay. <laughs>